it's time for Jesus. Hey, everybody. Look at me. I had the holiest donkey in the world. I have never had so much fun in my entire life. All right. Stop. Stop. Get me off this thing. I walked on water. I think I can walk to the door. Hey, Jesus, will my donkey get into heaven now? Just, just one moment of peace, please. What in the name of me is going on in here? Yeah, he said that to me. Can you believe it? And so I says to Keith, I says, listen, I'm a Pharisee. I got mad ladies lining up around the block. What? Oh, let me see. There's that. There's that. Oh, man, we're gonna get it. You're not supposed to be having fun. You're supposed to be praying and reading your Bible. And you guys. How do you expect to get to heaven by playing board games? Whoa, whoa, whoa. That cool. Hey, guys. And these three think they can get into heaven just because they dress like the wise men. They said he was pretty mad. Well, I'd be mad too if I had to trot around the desert in those sandals. Have you seen them? They're so B.C. You know, Rome's not only the most powerful nation in the world, but we're also the most stylish. I mean, do you know how cool you look? Why, thank you. No problem. Check it out. Repeat after me. Thee before thou, except after thine. You know, I think your feather plume is poofier than mine. Well, they look the same to me. What do you want me to do about it? Hope you don't think you're going to the dance on Friday. <clears throat> oh no. There are those Pharisee thugs stirring up trouble. Let's go check it out. <clears throat> yes, my associate and I were wondering. That is to say, we were hoping you could get us into heaven. We know a lot of Bible verses, and as you can see, we're very nicely dressed. <laughs> nicely dressed for a camel dealer, maybe. I think he got that outfit from the temple lost and found. Well, I think he made that rope from his mother's curtains. <laughs> mm, how much money do you have? Oh, there you go. Mm. One coin. Are you serious? Well, I can, I can get you more. No, I'm sorry. You'll never get into heaven now, you... You had your chance, and you blew it. Well, I guess I'll be going then. That sucker doesn't even realize I kept his coin. <laughs> okay, okay. Good times. So, uh, we can sometimes have an understanding of Jesus just boring, and he's just, you know... That's really, honestly, one of the worst displays of, of, of Jesus that I've ever seen. Uh, just completely wooden. No one you can relate to. And I hope that in some way we have uh, tried to right some wrongs in some people's minds about what you think Christianity is supposed to be about and what it actually is about. And we're going to finish with, uh, with three quick ones tonight. The first week we talked about how mostly it's about how it's, it's a relationship 
It's about a relationship with God and not about rules. The second week we talked about the Bible and how uh, some people think it can't be trusted and about how some people think that you're wasting your life following Jesus. Last week Stephen talked about uh, just the idea of, of the reality of pain in Christians' lives and, and what do we do with that. So this week we're going to be talking about uh, three that are, that are somewhat related to each other. The first one... Uh, myth that, that we're looking at is, is the idea that all you have to do to be right with God is to be a generally good person and be sincere about what you believe. So there is this idea that if you want to be right with God, you just kind of have to, like if, if you ask somebody, you know, what is it that makes you think that when you die, uh, that, that, you know, you'll, you'll be with God? There are a lot of people who will say, well, I've been a generally good person. Right, and, they, and there's this idea that, you know, I, I, I've, I never killed anybody, right? So that's, you'll hear some people say, I mean, I never killed anybody. I was a generally good person. I was sincere. I, I did my best uh, to kind of live a good life. And we think, and, and there's this idea too of kind of this, the, 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 the weights. So my good, I, you know, I've done some bad things. I haven't been perfect, but my good has generally outweighed my bad. And we just sort of are banking on this idea that, that's going to be enough. There are two problems with this answer to the idea of, you know, I'm a generally good person. The first one has to do with the few people out there who aren't generally good people. So, uh, you know, what do the murderers do? Right? I mean, what, 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 what if you've done something really terrible in your life? Does that mean, like, you're out? Because you did kill somebody, and or you did really do something really bad, so so there's is there, is there no hope for for that person? Um, so or or in the same vein, what about people who aren't sincere? They're religious on the outside, but they don't really believe it. And there's quite a few people who who fall into that category. Problem two is related, and that's the question of how you define goodness and how you define being sincere in your beliefs. Who decides when you've been good enough for God? How do we ever know that we are acceptable in his sight? And how do, what if it's, is it just not killing someone? Like as long as we don't kill people, then we're okay. Well, what about uh, rape or theft or what, what are, if, if you tortured someone but didn't kill them? Or what about someone who steals money from the company that he works for? What about the person who uh, appears to be faithful, a faithful husband and father, but he's actually cheating on his wife? Do you see that the problem with this is, is that we will never know how, whether we've made it, whether we're good enough. So um, how do we know that we're good enough? Well, a couple possible answers. One answer is that you, you don't have to be made right with God. You, you, you don't have to be good enough. God just accepts everyone as long as they're sincere. So throw out the first part of being good enough. Keep the second part. Well, just as long as you're sincere about what you believe. If you sincerely hold to a belief, then, then that's enough. You might have heard someone say that. Well, I, you know, as long as you're sincere, that's, that's, that's fine. Well, the problem with that is that it's very easy for us to sincerely be wrong about any number of things. You can believe with all your heart that something is true. It doesn't make it true. I can believe with my heart that I am best friends with Justin Bieber, right? That I, that I can just believe that. No, I am. No, me and, me and Jay Biebs, we're, we're, we're so tight. That's how I know to call him Jay, Jay, Jay Biebs. Does it? 
I don't think anybody calls me that. So I clearly have shown you that I'm not. But I can believe it. Doesn't make it true. I can believe with all my heart that the Green Bay Packers didn't send out the field goal unit in the NFC Championship game and they let Aaron Rodgers go for it on fourth down and they won and they went to the Super Bowl. I can believe that all I want. It's great to know that it didn't happen. It's not true, right? It was great to know that they did send out the field goal unit and they lost that game and they didn't win the Super Bowl. I can believe something doesn't make it true, right? Um, Adolf Hitler sincerely believed that what he was doing was right. He believed he was ridding the world of people that were inferior, people that needed to be rid. And, and he was sincere about that. The Apostle Paul was killing Christians in his early life when his name was Saul, in the name of God, believing with his heart that he was doing God's will. He was carrying out, he was, he was keeping the true religion of God pure. So, doesn't it seem like there, there must be something more to it than just being sincere? There's a lot of talk these days about tolerance and respect and, and acceptance, and I agree with that. It is so important for us to be loving and kind and accepting and supportive. But there's also an element of being willing to say that some things are true and some things are false. And there's a fantastic quote that I'm, I'm, I made a slide out of this because I want you to, to, to look at it and think about it. I think it's really profound. An open mind, this is a guy named G.K. Chesterton, long since passed away, brilliant uh, uh, British guy who was an outspoken Christian. He says, an open mind, like an open mouth, does have a purpose. That is to be closed upon something solid. Otherwise, it becomes like a city sewer, rejecting nothing. So, an open mind I'm all 100% for open minds. Absolutely, we should have an open mind about just about everything. But at some point, we have to close that open mind around something and, and understand, is it true or is it not true? And that's something that we have to understand about Jesus as well. The other problem with believing that God accepts everyone, no matter what they believe, as long as they're sincere, is that it doesn't satisfy our desire for justice, does it? So we want, uh, we want to believe that Hitler, for instance, um, we want to believe that, that he got justice one day. We don't want to believe that you can do anything you want in life. There are people out there doing terrible things, really, really awful things, being you know, awful people to others. We want to believe that there's justice for that. We don't, we don't want to just think that, that Anybody can do anything they want, and they don't have to pay any sort of penalty or, 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 or have any sort of vengeance for the bad things that, that they do. We want justice. We want to see that, that, that someone pays for the wrong that was done. But who decides who gets justice and who gets mercy, right? When we or people we love are involved, we want mercy. But when we're the ones who have been wronged, we want justice, so when we start looking at who's right and wrong, figuring out you know, what we're measured against, it gets tough because the Bible says we're all in trouble. So we're going to look here at the Bible. Um, it, it lumps us in with the murderers. In Romans 3, Paul quotes from an Old Testament passage. And he says, as it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There's no one who understands. There's no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They've together become worthless. There's no one who does good, not even one. Now, I think he's being a little... Um, he's sort of using, if you've heard this phrase, hyperbole, he's exaggerating, uh, the prophet is, for effect. It doesn't mean that there's nothing we ever do that's any good. What the point of this 
passages to say that measured against a holy God, our, even our good acts aren't good enough for a holy God. Romans also says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So it, when we're compared to God's perfection, we aren't good enough. We need help. That's the bad news. But the good news is that the Bible says that God has taken care of that for us. The Bible says that when we put our faith in Jesus, God no longer holds our sins against us. Jesus lived a sinless life. He was perfectly righteous in everything he did. But more than that, the righteousness that Jesus earned gets transferred to us when we put our faith in him. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, next slide, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So God made this sinless person so that when we fall short, we get his righteousness. And it doesn't matter what we do. We don't have to wonder how good must I be because Jesus has been good enough for us. It's incredible news. We don't have to wonder. We can't earn his love, forgiveness, acceptance. He doesn't love us because of anything we do. He loves us because he redeemed us himself. No longer counts our failures and our shortcomings against us. It's incredible news. It's, it's the best news that there ever was. So the, the, the fact is that being a sincere or good person isn't enough. Being right with God involves trusting Jesus at the, at the end of our time tonight, if no one has ever done that, if there's a time when you've never just said yes to Jesus, we're going to give you a chance to do that, just in the quietness of where you're sitting. So that's the first thing, understanding that being good enough, it's, it's, it's not something that we can do, we don't have to do, we, it's a, we, we trust in Jesus and that's enough. The second myth that we're going to look at tonight is the other side of that coin, which is this. There's a myth that as long as I have accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, I'm guaranteed to be right with God no matter what else happens. Okay, and this gets a little bit tricky, so please pay attention. Some of you might have ever heard some form of this. So like you've heard someone say, all you have to do, maybe you've been somewhere, and they just say, all you have to do is put your faith in Jesus one time, and then no matter what else happens for the rest of your life, you are guaranteed to be with God forever. And there are certainly verses uh, where you can, you know, sort of believe that that's true. The problem is that there's a lot of verses that would suggest, I'm going to share a few of them tonight, that that's not really the point. The point of, of a life with God is not about saying one prayer. And we're going to talk about this in a little bit. It is about putting your faith in Jesus as a beginning point to a life of walking with him. So, uh, Matthew 24, verses 12 and 13. Jesus says this, Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. Uh, Paul writes in Colossians, Once you were alienated from God, were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he's reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. That's what we talked about before. We were enemies of God. Now we're made right with God. It's incredible news. Paul says, this is true of you if you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. He says, yeah, all of this is yours if your life reflects that you are walking with him and that you have made this 
change, this, this repentance, this, this decision to follow Jesus. We can be confident of God's promises if we continue in our faith. And an analogy that I think is helpful to think about is we sometimes think that faith in Jesus is like becoming a citizen of a country. I actually have a friend uh, who was, uh, is Canadian. He married uh, a young woman who, who went to Lake Forest High School, was, was a part of SHIG years ago. Uh, I officiated their wedding in Lake Bluff probably 10 years ago. They live in Austin, Texas, but he's been Canadian. And he's been, I have this green card and always had to worry about it. And on Saturday, yesterday, or maybe on Friday, over the weekend, he became an American citizen. It's super exciting for their family. He got to, you know, uh, so now he doesn't have to worry about applying for anything. Like, he gets to just stay in, in America, and it was a big deal for them. Um, and what did he have to do? Well, he had to, he had to fill out the paperwork. He had to show, you know, that all these things. And then he took a little class, and then he went to a ceremony, and he stood in front of people, and he, he said, you know, I, I, they made him raise his hand or something and say, I pledge my allegiance to the country or whatever, and then it was it. And no matter what else happens in this guy's life, he is an American citizen. Like, that's just it. Like, you don't have to think about it again. He's always going to be an American citizen. We can sometimes think about a relationship with God like that. Well, I, I, I prayed a prayer one time when I was a little kid, and I'm, I'm a Christian, doesn't matter what else I do, I'm a Christian. The Bible doesn't use that kind of language. The Bible talks about how uh, we are the bride of Christ. It's like an, a marriage. We hear, we hear a lot of marriage imagery. And when I think about my marriage to my wife, that makes a lot of sense, actually. So 25 years ago, uh, there, was a, there was a date. In the same way that my friend Dave has a date where he can say he became a citizen, I can say on March 16th, 1996... I stood up in front of my friends and family and I uh, said, yes, I, I take you and forsaking all others. So that was a beginning point. But the idea that, that I could like never think about, like I could be like, well, honey, remember we got married 25 years ago? Like I can show you the piece of paper where it says it happened and she wants me to like talk to her all the time. And I keep showing her the piece of paper. Like, look, we're married. Like, why do you keep bothering me? You know, no, you'd be like, yeah, dude, uh, you're not going to be married for much longer if you act like that, right? In the same way, we're, how can we call ourselves followers of Jesus if all we can point to is a day, one time, maybe even you got baptized you know, years and years ago, but you're not having an ongoing walk with God? It, it, it doesn't make sense. That's not the idea. The idea is that it is an ongoing you know, decision every day. In the same way, like every day, I have to say, in essence, I have to wake up and say, I'm committed to my wife. I'm going to be faithful to her. I'm going to think about her. I'm going to, you know, and, and of course, it is different because my wife, I can see her. It's different with God. But it's the same way that every day I have to say, you know what? I'm putting my faith in Jesus today. And I'm going to, there's things I want to do. And I'm going to say, you know, I'm going to, maybe I you know, things I want to do that I know God doesn't want me to do, and I'm going to try to do that. It's more like uh, an ongoing relationship with, with a, a, in a marriage than it is uh, becoming a citizen of a country. So, now, we don't earn anything by our good works, right? I've, and I've made, I hope I made that clear. We don't earn anything with God. Rather, and this is where you've you got to use your brains, and I hope maybe you'll have questions about this in your small groups, but our faith is shown by what we do. 
It's, it's shown by how we live. We don't earn it. But our good works show that we have been saved and that our faith has saved us. doesn't earn it, but it shows that we are in a relationship with God. So the fact is that we, we are told we can receive the promises of God if we continue in the faith. And then the last one I'm going to go over very quickly is there is a myth that the Christian life has mostly to do with killing time until we get to be with God when we die. The idea is, I've heard people sort of say like, and it goes along with what I, what I mentioned before, is uh, that basically the, the, the Christian life is just about heaven. And we're just like, we kind of, okay, we prayed the prayer one time. And we said, Jesus, okay, I'm going to follow you. And then, ah, then we kind of do whatever we want. And then we, when we die, we go to be with Jesus. Well, what I have found is that there's a real joy in the journey. And going back to the, the marriage analogy, it would be the same thing as being like getting married to Heidi and 25 years ago, and then being like, all right, well, I'll see you uh, around 65 when we retire. Yeah, that's about, that's good, right? So we got married, and, and uh, uh, we'll see you. We'll see you in, you know, 50 years. Like, what? What are you talking about? The, 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 why wouldn't you enjoy this the whole marriage? The whole point of marriage is to, is to, to have this, this companionship with one another. In the same way, our life with God, when we say yes to God, it starts now and it continues our whole lives. We are... Uh, walking in this direction towards heaven, we can experience uh, eternal life with God even now. We don't have to wait until we die. We, we can experience it even now along the way. So the fact is that every day of our Christian life can be filled with meaning. Following Jesus is about so much more than seeing him when we die. So I hope maybe some of you are are even a little bit like, wait, what is he talking about? What does this mean? How does Because I hope that I can send you into your small groups and that you can work through this, this idea, wrestle with this idea of, yes, putting your faith in Jesus is the starting point of a relationship with God. And the, the hope is that you show that you have put your faith in Jesus by the way you live your life.